0: through you. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, how we praise you for the things we have heard this day from your word. We praise you for the fellowship we've enjoyed together around the throne and around uh, the tables. How we thank you for conversation about the things of God. How we thank you for the life and breath you give us and the opportunity to serve you. How we thank you for words of testimony that we've heard from this saint and that saint about how you have saved them by your grace and how you've worked in their lives and strengthened them by your power and how they testify to your goodness. Lord, how sweet it has been to have fellowship with your people as we together have fellowship with the living God. We pray now that you'll bless us once again. For, Father, the blessings of past hours are not sufficient for the present one. So teach us tonight from your word. Help us to look to you. Help us to learn of you. And help us to live in light of who you are, the great God who is our God through Jesus Christ. So bless we pray for we ask in his name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Start them young, we say. Well, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10. Everybody wants to be safe today. We know that they they want to be safe from from a virus. And uh, I recall when COVID was beginning, walking in our town, Ancaster in Ontario, and, and as I was walking, people crossed the road to avoid me. And I chose to interpret that that was not a result of my appearance, but rather that there was some concern that they had that I would give them some kind of virus that would be of great danger for them. And I understood and I sympathize with them because they want to be safe. People want to be safe. People have wanted to be safe during this uh, pandemic. They want to be safe from the consequences of it. They want to be safe from job loss. They want to be safe from uh, business setbacks and economic ruin. Uh, They want to be safe and we understand that. In the ancient world, they wanted to be safe as well. And because they wanted to be safe, they would run to a tower. They lived in villages, and they lived in individual homes. And when invading armies came and the warnings sounded, they would pack up and they'd flee to a city, and they'd run behind the walls, and they'd rush to the towers and they'd climb to the top because there the armies couldn't reach them and there the spears couldn't touch them and there they would be safe. But the word of God says that there is in fact no safe place in the world except God himself because what happened is that the cities were leveled and the towers were destroyed and viruses of various sorts kill people and some form of ruination touches all our lives. And the fact is then that there's no truly safe place in this world except our God. It's my privilege to tell you tonight about this God. And verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And I want to draw your attention then to three points that I think are self evident in the text. And the first is that God is the tower. Second, that we're to run to the tower. And third, that we'll be safe in the tower. So, God is the tower. That's what Solomon says. The name of the Lord is the strong tower. And he's saying to us then that God himself is our safe place. All that God is, the character of our God, the attributes of our God, the person of our God, our strong tower is not a place, but it is a person. And I want to show you why this person of God is the safest place in all the universe for us or for anyone else who wishes to be safe. Think, for instance, about his names. His names. In biblical times, when someone was given a name, it had something to do with their character, something to do with their identity. James and John were called Boanerges. They were the sons of thunder. And they are always trying to call down judgment on those who were against God. A name spoke about who people were. Uh, today, oh, they probably name their children after some soap opera character, uh, some movie star. But in the Bible, names meant something, and they reveal something about, about um, the character and the person himself. And God's names, and there are many of them in the Bible, God's names tell us about who he is. He is I am. The God we worship, if you're a Christian, the God you know, he is the I am. And the fact of the matter is that the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 3 and verses 13 and 14 that that that's who our God is. Exodus chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14. Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people. I am has sent me to you. That's who he is. You see, he is the God who is. He's the God whose name is I am God exists he is the God who is there and the problem with other gods is that they're not there they do not exist they have no being but the God of the Bible is the true God he truly is you live for a false God and you will die You follow a false God and you will die in your sin. Allah does not exist. The millions of Hindu gods do not exist. Krishna does not exist. Sun Moon was not God. If you die in jihad for Allah, you will die in your sin. They are not gods. They are not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible truly is. Some people, perhaps some young people, perhaps some young people here, are going to want to live for money. You're going to want to live for personal glory. You're going to want to achieve. You've read the bumper sticker and it says, he who has the most toys at the end wins. It's a lie from the pit. But you're going to be enticed to follow the way of the world. You're going to be drawn away by the enchantments that they offer. And you're going to want to give your life to that and spend all your energies to achieve those kinds of things that the world sets before you. And they're going to become idols. You want to build an empire. You want to make a name for yourself. You want to accumulate all manner of toys. And these are going to be idols for you. And I'm saying to you, if you follow those idols, you worship those idols, you lay your life on the altar for those idols, you will die in your sin. They're not true gods. There's one true God. And only he is the refuge for poor sinners like us. And so I'm pleading with you to be wary and to be warned. Do not follow them. That is not a safe place. That's the road to destruction. There is one God. It's the God of Scripture. It's the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the I Am. He's the only safe place for you. You come to him through Jesus, and only then are you safe. So who is this God? Well, he's the I Am, and he's Jehovah-Jireh. He's the God who says, I will provide, which is fabulous because you're a sinner. And so you need a savior and you need a sacrifice and you need an offering and you need someone who can pay the price for your sins. And God has provided Jesus. And he has sent the Lord Jesus as our propitiation. He is the wrath bearer for those who will believe in his name. So God has provided the most fundamental thing we need. He's provided forgiveness for our sins by sending his son to pay the price for our iniquity. He's Jehovah Jireh. That's why he's the only safe place in all the world. He's Jehovah Shalom. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Bible. And that's why you have no peace. You're not a Christian. There's no peace for the wicked. This isn't just a personality trait. This isn't some physiological issues. You have no peace because you're separated from God. And this is something you might feel as a young person. It's something you might experience as an older person. This lack of peace knows no boundaries in terms of age. I couldn't get to sleep when I was a 15, 16-year-old because I knew I was going straight to hell were I to die. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe you know that when you lay your head on the pillow tonight, you're not going to be able to sleep because you've heard enough truth to know that were you to stand before God tonight, he would condemn you. There's no peace for the wicked. There's no peace for those outside of Jesus. That's why you toss and turn in the middle of the night and everyone else is asleep and it's all quiet outside and inside the home. But there's turmoil in your soul. There's no peace for the wicked. And I'm saying to you, run to God before the day is through. Run to God before this service is done. And God, you see, gives you peace. When you believe in the Lord Jesus, there's peace with God. And His wrath no longer abides over you. And your heart is no longer filled with enmity toward Him. There's peace. The conflict is over. I used to hate God. When I was 17 I hated God. And God reached down in sovereign grace, changed my heart, gave me faith, and I looked to him. And there was peace. It's glorious. Peace with God and then as you begin to live the Christian life, you, you begin to understand more profoundly that peace of God, that peace within as you trust him and as you walk with him he's he's Jehovah Shalom he's Jehovah Sabaoth he's God almighty he's the God who's created this universe and he's created it out of nothing and I walk around your country and I think my goodness what a beautiful place it's just fabulous and then I think well he made this His almighty power. And you and I, we feel so weak and we feel so helpless. And even you and I, who are Christians, we want to live the Christian life and we want to serve the Christian church and we want to be a light to our generation, but we feel so weak and so helpless. But it's okay because this God, this God Almighty, This power that created a universe and sustains the world and raised Jesus from the dead. That power is at work in us and through us. He is Jehovah Sabaoth and he's Jehovah said, can you? Samuel Rutherford said, one thing qualifies me for Christ, my abominable vileness. You see, you have a terrible, terrible enemy if you're not a Christian And it's your sin, and it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your peace in this world. It's going to destroy your soul in the next. But God is the God who saves, God is the God who rescues. And He saves sinners. There's no other type of person in the world. God saves sinners. And He calls sinners. And He invites them to believe in His Son. And he commands them to look in faith to Jesus, and they believe them, and they're forgiven, and they're justified, and then they're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and they sing with enthusiasm. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. Midst flaming worlds, in these arrayed with joy, shall I lift up my head? He's Jehovah said, so Can you? No righteousness of my own. No clothing that are, is pure enough for heaven, but the spotless robes of Christ are granted to us. And so you, whatever you might look like to my eye, you're perfect in the eye of God. You're spotless and you're quite beautiful. For when he looks at you, he sees the sun. He's Jehovah said, Can you?" He's Jehovah Shama. He's the Lord who is there. And where his people are, there he is. The people of God are the apple of his eye, aren't they? Psalm 17. And he never leaves them alone. You know how you're always there? You, You protect your eye. You guard your eyes. He protects his eyes and he guards his eyes. They're the apple of his eye. And he'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. He's always with us. He'll never leave you destitute. You might feel destitute. That's what we reminded of earlier. You might feel a certain way, but it's never true of us that we're destitute. He's always with us. He's always there. I don't know where you are tonight. I know where you're physically, but I don't know where your soul is. I don't know how troubled you are in the place where you are. But I know this that if you're a Christian, the Lord is there and He's with you. Corrie Ten Boom found herself in a concentration camp. She found herself in Ravensbrück and she said, He's there. I quoted Eli Wiesel to you, and he said that when he got to Auschwitz, that's when God died for him. That's just tragic and it's not true. And she was right, he was there. She was right when she said, there's no pit so deep but that God is not there already. And should we sink into that pit, we are there in the presence of God, in the midst of great affliction to be sure, but God is there. He is Jehovah Shammah. He's, He's father. That's a great name. That's the sweetest name. That's the New Testament name. The name that is the strong tower is the name father, a father of infinite tenderness and wisdom and power. Where can a child rest more quietly than on the mother's breast? Where can the child be safer than in the circle of a father's arm? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So, you know, I could go on and on. Other names I could mention. But this will give you a start. This will show you a little bit as to why he's a strong tower and a safe place for you if you're a Christian. You think of his names and and then you think of his attributes. He's omnipotent. God has all power. There's nothing he cannot do. And again, as I said, we feel powerless. Sometimes perhaps we feel as, as if the governments are taking away whatever little power we have. Perhaps we feel that things in your country and my country they're spiraling out of control. But the fact of the matter is that God's the one who's in control. God sits on his throne and he laughs. He's not threatened by people. He's not threatened when kings and princes rage against him and shake their fists against him. God's the one who's omnipotent. God's the one who's omnipresent. I don't know if you feel isolated. I don't know if. During COVID you felt isolated perhaps you remember what things were like in the in the heat of all of that I've known older people especially who felt tremendously isolated I know one man in particular who spent so long in in his apartment just by himself but you know he was always full of joy And whenever I talked to him, I went away more encouraged than I was when I started. And he ministered to me, and he encouraged me, when in fact I should have been doing the reverse. Why is that? Well, because he knew this. He knew that God was with him. And so however you feel now, However isolated your condition might be, God is with you. He's the omnipresent God. He's the omniscient God. He knows everything. He's the God of grace. He's the God who, uh, by his grace, he saves people who are worthy of judgment. He's a God of mercy. That means that he's kind to those who experience misery and distress. You say, well, you know, the fact of the matter is that my, so much of my misery is a result of my sin. Well, I understand that. I know that by personal experience. But Sib says there's more mercy in Christ than sin in us. God's more than a match for your sin. God's mercy can overcome your sin and all the misery that comes into your life because of it. So think about the attributes of God and realize, yes, of course, he's a strong tower for us. What a great God he is think of his promises and realize of course he's a strong tower and when we run to him we're safe what tremendous promises he gives to us he says no one can snatch you out of my hand that's nobody no one can do us any harm because he sees to it that everything that happens to us is for our good no one can keep us from the glory No roadblocks can be established by the enemies of our souls to keep us from the celestial city. God guarantees, because those whom he has chosen, he calls and he justifies and he sanctifies and he will glorify. No question about that. And so we can go on and on. We can explore forever the name of God. And in fact, in heaven, that's what we'll do. Now we realize then that, yes, he's, he's the strong tower, and he's our safe place. Let me give you two lessons. First of all, that God is greater than we can possibly imagine. He's greater than we can possibly imagine. I want to read something to you. It's a, a prayer of, of Augustine. And some of this is going to fly over our heads. I should say over my head. But um, catch the gist of it. It's from his confessions. When you read his confessions, he's talking to God. So listen to this. He's talking to God. He says this. Most high, utterly good, utterly powerful, most omnipotent, most powerful, and most just, deeply hidden, yet most intimately present, perfection of both beauty and strength, stable and incomprehensible, immutable yet changing all things, never new, never old, making everything new and leading the proud to be old without their knowledge, always active, always in repose, gathering to yourself but not in need. Supporting and filling and protecting, creating and nurturing and bringing to maturity, searching even though you noth- even though to you nothing is lacking, you love without burning, you are jealous in a way that is free from anxiety, you repent genesis six six without the pain of regret, you are wrathful yet remain tranquil and so on and so on, and he goes on, and we realize that God, however much we understand of him, however true that knowledge is that we have of him, he is infinitely beyond anything that we can possibly understand about him. God is infinitely glorious, infinitely beyond anything we can imagine, And our prayer ought to be, in light of this, if God himself is our safe place and our great refuge and our strong tower, we want to know more of that name of God. We want to know more about God himself and his character and his attributes and his person. We want to have an ever-deepening knowledge, an ever-broadened knowledge, we want our thoughts to soar into the heavenlies as we think about our God. We want to walk more closely with Him. Sinclair Ferguson says it is one of the facts of spiritual reality that practical Christian living is based on understanding and knowledge. How we think is one of the determining factors in how we live. And so we want to think. More deeply about God. We want to walk more closely to God. We want to scale lofty heights of the knowledge of God. And that's why that book by Dr. Leahy is recommended because the scripture is full of God and He's a faithful guide to try and help us learn about God. So God is greater than we could possibly imagine. So Let's get to know him better. And I guarantee you, it will have practical impact upon your life. It'll set you up. It'll make you stable. It'll help you to, to walk upright and carry you through dark days. The second thing is that Jesus, we can possibly imagine. Jesus also is greater than we could Learn about this God, about whom we've been speaking and about who Solomon wrote. The Bible and ultimately and especially you learn about him in Jesus. John 17:26. I have made your name known. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. While you look intently and constantly. John Calvin said our situation would surely have been hopeless had the very majesty of God not descended to, to us. Since it is not in our power To ascend to him. In Jesus. The majesty. Has descended. To us. Isn't that glorious. You want to know the majesty of God. You want to know about the name of the Lord. You look at Jesus. You go and read those gospels over and over again. You learn all about Christ. And you will learn about the name of God and you will grow in the grace and knowledge of your Savior. So his names and his attributes and his promises, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. When I was young, uh, some time ago now, is it okay if I take my jacket off? Um, uh, when I was young, I, 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 was, I grew up and was raised in South Africa and we used to listen to the radio. You guys know what a radio is? Yeah? <laughs> Can you imagine just something you listen to? There's no pictures or nothing. So I listened to the radio and there was a serial, um, not a thing, but a, but a serial, and it was called No Place to Hide. And it was all about, it was all about aliens. And aliens were invading the earth. And I'd listen to this after I'd gone to bed in the dark with the radio under the covers, because I wasn't supposed to, and you listen to the aliens and how they're coming, and worse, they're here, and there's no place to hide. Isn't that great? (laughs) And the fact of the matter is that in this world... For sinners, there is no place to hide. There's something worse than aliens coming. Now, they don't exist. But there's a judgment coming. There's a hell just over the horizon. And there's a judge who is sitting. There's no other place to hide but Jesus. Jesus. You run to him. Which brings us to the second point, and that is run to the tower. You're saying to yourself, that's only the second point. We'll try and move reasonably fast. (laughs) Run to the tower. Because one day God's going to say to you, what have you done with my son? He's going to say to you, "I I have set a safe place in front of you. I have given you a refuge. Have you gone into it? The enemies, you see, are close, and the danger is looming, and and you need to run to the tower. So run to the tower, the text says. What do we learn about this? Well, we learn that the righteous run to the tower. So how do you get to safety? How are you going to get to safety? Safe in this world and safe in the next world. Well, you run to the tower. The righteous run to the tower. And and Solomon is talking here about believers, what the New Testament calls Christians. And what's happened is they've run to Christ. And they're safe in Christ. And they're safe for time. And they're safe for eternity. He's talking about the righteous. They've run to to the safe place. It's not the unrighteous. Because the unrighteous say that they don't need any help, and they don't want any help, and they don't believe in God. And so, look, I'll look after myself, thank you very much. And it's not the self-righteous, because they think, well, if there's a heaven, I can make it on my own. And they're trusting in their own righteousness. But Christians have seen, Christians have understood, you have been made to understand your eyes have been opened your ears have been made to hear that there's no other hope for you and so you've run to the Lord Jesus Christ you believed in the savior and that's why you're safe now the righteous run to the tower are you among the righteous Are you among the righteous? I hear, I, was, I received an email this week that my 12-year-old grandson wants to be baptized. He says, uh, he's saying to us, he's saying to us, I'm among the righteous. That's not a proud declaration. That's a declaration that I'm among the righteous because grace has touched my life because God has made bare his arm and he saved me by his power. I'm among the righteous. I want to tell everyone. Are you among the righteous? The second thing is that the righteous run to the tower. They run. There isn't a physical place to go. In those days, yeah, there were cities and you run and so forth, but we're not talking about that. This is something far grander and more glorious than that. They call on God. That's what this is about. They run to God. It means that they pray. Run means pray. And so the righteous, what do we do? We run to the tower. That means we pray all the time. We run to the tower all the time. We're like Peter. And as the waves are all around him and he's losing his focus and he's taking his eyes off Jesus and and he's beginning to sing. And he says, Lord, help me. That's what we do. We run to the tower all the time. Uh, We're like Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, he says, I prayed and then I said to the king. We pray to the Lord all the time. We run to the tower all the time. There's not a day that we don't run to the tower. There's not a day that we don't call on the name of the Lord. On the worst day, we run to the tower. Especially on the bad days, we run to the tower. And in the nighttime, we run to the tower. In the darkest hours, we we run to the tower. And all the world's asleep, and the questions run so deep for such a simple man. We run to the tower. And we call on the Lord. And He helps us. And we're safe as safe can be. And we run to the tower every day. We run to it all the time, and we run to it every day. Because you know, you can't face a day without Him. You can't do your job without Him. You say, what? I'm not a preacher, I'm not a missionary. I work with numbers. There's nobody, no Christian can do his or her job, whatever you're called to do. You cannot do it without him. You can do nothing without me. That's the Lord Jesus said that to you. So you need to run to him every day. So you get up every morning, you rise from your bed and you lift your eyes toward heaven. And you call on his name. Every morning you thank God that there's a safe place to go. There is a tower that's strong. There's a Lord that can help you and a Jesus who invites you to come. Every single day, every single hour of that day. Before you meet people, you meet with God. Listen to McShane. He says, oh, I ought to pray before seeing anyone. I feel it is far better to begin with God, to see his face first, to get my soul near him before it is near another. And if you don't believe that, talk to some of your family. They'll tell you you should meet with God before you meet with them. Maybe we're not easy to be around. And uh, we ought to be like this. For every look itself, take ten looks at Christ. Oh, it's so troubling when we look here. And it's troubling when we look there. So every day we look to the Lord. Second Chronicles 32.20 says the Assyrians have come and they've laid siege to Jerusalem. And it says that Hezekiah and, the, and Isaiah, so the king and the prophet, they prayed and cried to heaven. Would that the leaders of our countries would do that. And it seems as if you had a queen who did that. And you got to pray that your king will do that. Oh, we pray for our prime minister that he would do that. But that's what they did and that's what you and I must do. We must pray. That's, that's the lesson to draw from this. The lesson is Prayer. If these things are true and if, if this is what God is like and he calls us and tells us that he's our safe place and our strong tower and we need to run to him, well, that means then that you and I need to pray. And more and more, we must be men and women of prayer. And more and more, you must be a church of, of praying people. What a great opportunity we have. And maybe you lament the conditions in our countries, but I'm telling you what a great opportunity we have. Well, how wonderful it is when men and women seem to be being brought to the end of themselves. When they're scratching their heads and they're turning hither and yon. And they don't know what to do, they don't know what to say. And they don't know where to look. And our response to that must be to cry out to the God of heaven that he will come down and make a thousand hearts his own. And so we must be a praying church. And why is it that even in reformed churches that prayer meetings are not packed out? For all the complaints and all the protests about what has happened and COVID and all of the difficulties with it, why is it that Christians, and especially even Reformed people, at least in our country, they're much more apt to protest than to pray? I don't get it. Because of all people, we should be the ones who are quickly driven to our knees and packing out prayer meetings, calling upon God for great things, because think about the kind of God we have. So this is great opportunities, and what a great God we have. He is a tower of omnipotence, and a tower of wisdom, and a tower of grace. And everywhere we look, there are little people with small minds and troubled souls. But we have a great God upon whom we can call, and we must. And so let's be men and women of prayer, and cry out to him, and call upon his name, and lay siege to heaven, as it were, that heaven might come down and God might do a great work in us and through us and through us do a great work in our generation. If this is who God is, we must pray. Lastly, thirdly, we're safe in the tower. Uh, God is our tower and we run to the tower and the result is we're safe. You see the little girl and there's a, there's a, there's a zoo, they're in the zoo, and, and a lion roars. And the little girl runs and jumps up in her daddy's arms. That happened to us, my, my eldest. She did that, and the lion roared. And she clambered up into my arms. And then she, you know, then you can look down. I'm okay, I'm okay up here, right? This is a safe place. I'm okay. <laughs> <The> lion... <laughs> not worried anymore that's what happens when you run to the tower this word means this word safe means kind of high up so if you're a Christian and you're in the tower you're with the Lord you're you're safe in this life no harm can come to you you're you're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ you're high up You're safe. You're safe in this world. Psalm 9 says, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You're safe. You see, blessings are showered upon you. You can count them. You go home today. Before you lay your head on the pillow, uh, or when you lay your head on the pillow, count them. Count your blessings. Think Think about his presence. Think about his power. Think about his promises. Think about your family. Think about your friends. Think about your fellowship, the Christians who know you and love you. Remember that God gives you daily bread. Remember that you have access to the throne. Remember that you have the joy of knowing God. Oh, the blessings that are showered upon you. That's why you're safe in this life. Because blessings are showered upon you day by day by day. And you're safe in this life because sufferings are sanctified to you. Sufferings are sanctified to you. Don't be bitter when suffering comes. Don't be bitter. Don't fall into that. Because suffering is sanctified to you. The arrows of the evil one they might hit you, but the poison has been wiped off long before they arrive and long before they pierce. And the troubles will be used for your growth. The suffering will make you see God with greater clarity, greater depth. And the difficulties will, will wean you from this earth. And it'll stir longings for glory. You'll grow. God has a good purpose in this. We've been through tough times, but I, boy, I had to learn, I've had to learn about faith. You say, well, how long have you been a pastor? You should get that straight. <laughs> but uh, um, you know. Faith and submission and humility and the delight of closer walks with God. Yeah. He he sanctifies our sufferings to us. That's why this world, it doesn't hold anything that should frighten us because we're safe in this world. And then we're safe for eternity. We're safe in time and we're safe in eternity. Because when you're sitting in the tower, when you're nestled and safely ensconced in the strong tower, which is Jesus, You sing things like this. You sing, bold shall I stand in that great day, for who ought to my charge shall lay, fully absolved from these I am, from sin and fear, from guilt and shame. And why why can you look forward to that last day with boldness and know that with joy you're going to lift up your head, you're not going to hide, call on the rocks to hide you from the wrath of the Lamb? Well, it's because of Jesus. When from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansions in the skies, e'en then shall this be all my plea Jesus has lived and died for me. Well, he, he's my strong tower, he's my safe place. And so I am safe. You're safe for time and eternity. How do we respond to this? Two things be thankful for your safety, be thankful for your safety. Have you been ungrateful? Have you been moping? You're a Christian. (laughs) You need to stop that. You need to be thankful. You're okay. My mother, she was near the end of her life, and she was all crippled up with, hard to keep track of everything that was going wrong. I used to say to her, I'm not worried about you. You're going to go to heaven. She'd say, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so you want to be thankful. And whatever else is happening, be thankful. I am saved. I'm going to glory. I'm going to see Jesus. And secondly, be concerned about their safety. The people out there, maybe some people here, be concerned about their safety. And be like John Harper. The Titanic goes down. And they're in the water. He's not concerned about his physical life. He's going from person to person, telling them about Jesus before they sink into the depths. So be concerned about their safety. Be concerned about your fellow citizens. Be concerned about the people in your family. Have a passion for souls. And know that it is as urgent as that night when Titanic sank because you don't know when they're going to die so be concerned thank God that you're safe but don't be complacent there are thousands and millions dying out there to so do all you can do everything you can to rescue the perishing call on God to do a great work oh. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. They're righteous, they run to it, and they're safe. Let's pray. Father and God, receive our praise. And we give you thanks for who you are to us. Bless us so that we might be your instruments to rescue others. For our good, but most of all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you.